Welcome to Victory with Paul Doherty, pastor of Victory in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services, Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Pastor Paul has a great message for you today, and I believe this message is going to make an impact in your life. Have you ever been looking for someone that you thought was somebody else? Have you ever thought you saw someone, but they were in disguise? They weren't who you thought they were. They looked a little (laughs) different. They were sitting right beside you, and you didn't even realize who they were. I think about how at Easter there's going to be all kinds of different people that come into our church and they're going to sit right beside you and you won't even realize that they're looking to find the real Jesus and they're going to look a little interesting. This costume is kind of interesting. I think about how this one time I played the part of Jesus. This was eight years ago. I was in the Easter play, and I played the part of Jesus, and and, and people didn't even recognize me because I had a wig on, and I I had weaves in my hair. And and I I showed up to church this one weekend, and, and I sat towards the back because it was leading up towards Easter, and I was trying to get in, you know, the persona. I wanted to uh, and completely take over this part of Jesus, and I was sitting in the back, and I had this long hair and sunglasses on, and people were kind of looking at me, calling security, like, we got to make sure this guy's not going to attack anybody, and I'm thankful for people looking out for us in this church. But you get a different experience when you come to a place where nobody knows you and they don't recognize you, but it's me. I'm your pastor. Here I am. I wanted to test you guys this weekend because I wanted to see how you would respond. And I got to tell you, you passed the test. You guys are an awesome church. But I want to talk to you this morning about finding Jesus all around you, finding Jesus in 2018. I want you to stand up to your feet all over this room, and I'm gonna invite my wife to come and join me on this stage, if she will, with this interesting character. People, people were like, who are you? I didn't wanna tell them who I was, so I was trying to think of a, an alias name. I was like, I'm Jethro. Just call me Uncle Jethro. Jethro Jackson. Come on. But we, we are a family here at Victory, and you never know the people on your road. You never know who you're sitting next to. I think I scared some people up there. My little, my friends up there. <laughs> yeah, they were kind of looking at me. Who's this guy? But you never know what they're going through, the people on your row, and maybe they need Jesus more than ever today. And so why don't you lift their hands up all over this place as a sign of encouragement, as a sign of unity. And we're gonna declare this victory confession together on the count of three. Here we go, one, two, three. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open, my mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. All right, give someone a high five 
or a kiss. Oh, gosh. Oh. Let me kiss you, baby. Okay. All right. Come on. Get a little bit of that beard in there. Everybody say, where's Jesus? There were lots of people looking for Jesus during the time that he was here on earth. And there were times where people were right in front of Jesus and they didn't even recognize him. He was in disguise, incognito. And one of my favorite passages is found in John chapter 20. And if you have a Bible, you can open up your Bibles to John chapter 20. Yeah, we welcome those that are watching online, watching on YouTube. And, and listen, when we go into the scriptures, we believe the scriptures have the power to change our lives. That's why we shout. That's why we get loud about the Bible, because we believe that the Bible is the most powerful book with the most powerful story in the whole wide world. Come on. And you might be wondering, why is this guy dressed like this? And what's this church all about? This is the place where the scriptures come alive. Next weekend, you're going to see this whole stage transform into Bible times. The scriptures are going to be coming alive, and, and it's going to be powerful. But I think about this moment. This, is, this was Easter Sunday, but people that were living in this moment, in this day, didn't know that it was Easter Sunday. They didn't have Bibles. They didn't know the end of the story. And so here they were. They were sad. They were discouraged. Their savior, their healer, their, their teacher, their leader had died. And they didn't know that he was going to come back to life that Sunday. They weren't prepared for that. Uh, there was no one sitting around reading Bibles going, hey, it's Easter Sunday. Invite all your friends to the tomb because he's alive. No, they were going to the tomb because they wanted to go and mourn his death. The tomb was the graveyard. They were going to leave flowers there to mourn that their Savior had died. And so early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And I want to tell you today that God still moves stones. He still rolls the stone away. Maybe you've called your marriage dead and the stone today is about to be rolled away. Maybe you said your prodigal son will never come back to God, but today I'm telling you that there's still a God that rolls the stone away. Maybe you feel defeated, discouraged, depressed, failed, Maybe you feel like there's, there's no hope for you to live. Maybe you're watching online today and you feel like quitting. I want to tell you that we still serve the God that rolls the stones away. So they looked inside and, and it wasn't the way that they thought. Jesus wasn't there. It was an empty tomb. And so the, the disciples came running and, 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 and they started asking these questions. Where's Jesus? They've taken him away and we don't know where they've put him. Just ask me that question this morning. Where's Jesus? There's people all over the world asking this question. Where is Jesus? And the message today is just finding Jesus in 2018. Finding Jesus in 2018. Already in this year, we've seen more and more school shootings. We've seen teacher walkouts and student walkouts and teacher strikes. We've seen great men like Billy Graham pass away, and we've heard about nuclear threats. And even in Hawaii this year, there was ballistic missile alarms going off, and people were running for shelters, and it was false alarms, but it scared everybody. And there's all kinds of things happening this year. People are asking the question, where is Jesus in the middle of all of this? And in that moment... Verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb and she was weeping because she was discouraged in her season. Some of you right now are weeping because the season you're in is not what you hoped it would be. Things haven't turned out the way that you thought they would turn out. You're not sure what to do next. The scholarship never came. 
You're faced with bills that you don't know how to pay. You're faced with college tuition that you don't know how you're going to afford. You're faced with new chapters in life that you're not prepared for. Here Mary is standing in a season that she wasn't prepared for and she's weeping. And she's trying to figure out where is Jesus when I need him the most? Where is Jesus when I'm going through the worst season in my life? And as she's standing outside the tomb, she looks inside and two angels are sitting in white, seated right where Jesus had been. One at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? She said, they've taken Jesus away. He's not here. He's left the throne. He's no longer around. And I don't know where he is and I need him. Please just tell me where Jesus is. Now watch this in verse 14. Mary turns around. And all of a sudden she sees Jesus standing right in front of her. But she did not recognize him. He was in disguise. Maybe he was dressed like this. <gasps> I like, no, Jesus wouldn't dress like that, man. <laughs> but he was dressed incognito. She couldn't recognize him. Here Jesus was standing right in front of her, and she didn't even see him. And Jesus starts talking to her, and she, and she doesn't even recognize his voice. She's overwhelmed by the discouragement in the moment that she can't even see Jesus, even though he's right in front of her. She can't even recognize his voice, even though he's talking directly to her. She, Jesus says to her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that Jesus was the gardener. Well, maybe he was dressed like this. Thinking that Jesus was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've taken Jesus away, please tell me where you put him. I need him right now. I'll, I'll go get him. Just please tell me where he is. And he was right there. And so Jesus was right there with Mary. And she didn't even realize it. In Mark chapter 5, if you want to turn in your Bibles there, and you can make some noise if you want to. Jesus shows up to a man that, had been demon-possessed, and his whole town was scared of him because he would cut himself, and he would run from place to place, and he would live among the graveyards. He was living in a dead place. He was alive, but he was dead. His brain was plagued with thousands of demons of oppression and depression and discouragement, defeat. And so when Jesus shows up to meet this demoniac, he runs and he falls on his knees and he says, why are you here? Why do you, Jesus, son of the most high God, come to torture me? When we don't know who Jesus is, sometimes we can feel like he's torturing us. When in fact, he's right there in the middle of our current season and he's trying to set us free. What if your current season, you feel like there's some sort of torture going on when in reality, God's trying to set you free? And Jesus says, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And Jesus said, what is your name? And the man replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. Y'all are like, this is scary. What church did I come to? You came to the church where the scriptures come alive. And they begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. And a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. So the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And so Jesus cast the demons into the pigs. Be careful about the bacon that you ate this morning. I'm just kidding. 
And the pigs ran off into the water. But I want to skip forward to an important moment. In verse 18, the town got really angry because Jesus had messed with their pig business. They wanted bacon more than they wanted Jesus. They wanted pork sausage more than they wanted Jesus. They were more in love with their pigs, their pig skins, their football, than they were with Jesus. And so they said, Jesus, leave our village. You've already done enough here. You've messed with our business. Jesus wants to mess with your business. He wants to interrupt your business because he's got something so much better than pig skins. He's got something so much better than bacon. That's a good message. Jesus is better than bacon. And so they said, leave, leave, leave. So Jesus is getting in his boat with his disciples and he's going on another missions trip. So he's got Peter, James, John, Nathaniel, Philip, Matthew, and they're all with him, and, and they're getting on the boat, and Thaddeus, and, 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 and they're, they're heading out as they're getting ready to go. The man who had been set free from demonic oppression runs up to Jesus' boat and begs him, please, please, please take me with you. I want to go with you on your next mission trip because where you're going is where the action is. Where you're going is where I want to be. Where you and your disciples are going, that's where the joy is. That's where the happiness is. That's where the excitement is. These people, please don't make me stay with these people. These people remember who I used to be. This town, they're, they're a dead town. They're a group of people that don't even like you and and I don't want to be with these people. Let me get on your boat. I want to go to Honduras. I want to go to spring break mission trips. I want to go and be a missionary with you because that's where the excitement is. And Jesus turns to the man. He says, go home. What? I just told you I don't want to be with these people. Jesus says, go home. Turn to the person next to you and say, go home. Go home. Go home. 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 But that's not where you're at. You're, you're, you're going over there. I want to go where you're going. Jesus said, go home to your own people. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Everybody say, go home. I want to tell you today that Jesus is just as much with you as he is with the missionaries in Honduras. He's just as much with stay-at-home moms as he is with the orphanage director in Cambodia. He's just as much with the businessman in the corner office on the 60th floor of the Cityplex Towers as he is with the woman who's teaching in a school in China. And she's a missionary to those boys and girls. Where God has called you is where he wants you. Stop wishing you were someplace else doing something else with somebody else. In the world of Instagram, quit looking to the left or to the right. The place that God has you is the place that he's graced you to be. Jesus is with you in the middle of your tears. Mary didn't even know it, but Jesus was there. Jesus was right in front of her. There was a, I'll, I'll, be, I'll just continue to expound on this thought. There were two guys walking down the road to Emmaus right after Jesus rose from the dead. And all of a sudden, this guy shows up disguised. They didn't know who he was, and it was Jesus. And he was in the middle of a conversation with them, and they're, they're discouraged because things hadn't turned out the way they had hoped. Their life wasn't going the way that they thought it was going to go. Passover week was a big disappointment because the guy that they liked to listen to preach died. And they thought everything's over and, and, and life is discouraging and our season is a disappointment and Passover wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And right there, Jesus is with them, but they don't see him. And sometimes in the dysfunctions of your family, in your home, in your job, 
in your current season, you get discouraged. You get disappointed. Church becomes a checklist. And if you're not careful, you miss the moment of Jesus. And he's right in front of you right now. And maybe he's trying to bring you hope and freedom and joy and peace and life. And maybe he's trying to teach you that you don't have to be on a missions trip to be with Jesus. I told our missionaries as, as, as they were in Honduras, I just was with them just a few days ago. And I flew back through the night so I could get back to you because I love you, church. You are the greatest church to pastor in the whole wide world. I am biased, though, because I grew up here and I love y'all, though. Y'all are amazing. And you passed the test. You treated me nice, even though I was dressed a little different this morning. But I told our missionaries in Honduras that were there. We sent 160 people there from our church and from our school, Victor Christian School, 6th through 12th grade to Honduras. I said, the real test is not here. Because it's easy to love people that don't know you. The real test is when you go home. Everybody say, go home. Where people know about your past. People watched you when you did funny things, crazy things, goofy things. So for me, the test has been my whole life because <laughs> I've basically stayed right here at home. And people know who I used to be. The real test is can, can you love the people who know the worst about you and may not always believe the best about you? Can you recognize that Jesus is in the moment with you when you're the most discouraged and the tears just won't stop flowing. Jesus was right there with Mary and she didn't even notice him. And all of a sudden in verse 16 in John 20, Jesus reveals himself to her. He says, Mary, and her eyes are open. She turns towards Jesus and in Aramaic, she cries out, Rabbi!" And she discovers that Jesus was there in that moment with her. Just last week, we celebrated a holiday called St. Patrick's Day. The world uses this holiday to drink lots of beer. But can I tell you that the St. Patrick that we know about in, 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 in the history of saints throughout the church was actually a man who had a great revelation, a saint who had a great revelation that Jesus is always with him. And he penned these words in his journal, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ inside me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. He had a revelation of Christ always with him. David in the Bible had a revelation that God's presence was always with him. In Psalm 139, verse 7, he said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're right there with me when I'm on the mountaintops and when I'm in the valleys, when I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will hold me and guide me. Surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day for the darkness is as light to you. He's with you right now. 
Finding Jesus in 2018 is recognizing that Jesus is with us right here in America. Even with the teacher strikes and the student walkouts and the school shootings. With Billy Graham passing away and political confusion and divisiveness and nuclear threats. And people in Hawaii scared because they hear about a ballistic missile that's headed their way. And it's a false alarm. And what's happening in 2018? Jesus is right here with us. He hasn't left the throne. He hasn't left America. He hasn't left the teachers. He hasn't left the schools. He hasn't left the students. He's right there in the middle of your tears, in the middle of your difficulty, in the middle of your disappointment. Turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus is with you. Number two, finding Jesus in 2018 means that you've got to start realizing that Jesus is found in the people that you encounter every day. Jesus is found in the people that you encounter every single day. You don't know who you're sitting next to. Turn to the person next to you and say, you don't know who you're sitting next to. <laughs> Ask them, that person on your left or right, say, are you Jesus? <laughs> Y'all are like, blasphemy. I know my husband's not Jesus. <laughs> I know my wife's not Jesus. Well, my wife, sometimes I think she is. She's an angel. Come on, she's perfect. <laughs> you never know who you're sitting next to. And sometimes we treat people wrong, and, and those are the very people that Jesus is wanting us to encounter with his presence. He's wanting us to see Jesus in everyone. Recently, I was uh, out of town, and I was traveling to a church conference that I'd been invited to, and, and I didn't have a ride there. I didn't have a rental car, so I used Uber, right, the taxi service. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I do it on the phone. My Uber driver pulls up. He's got his music blaring, and it's some rap song with a lot of bad words, they, just cuss words left and right. And so he asked me, where am I taking you? I said, this church conference. He goes, awesome. He cranks his music up even louder, right? He puts it on the one song where they shout out the one word, really loud and it's a really bad word and I was like hey you want to talk instead of listen to music and he said yeah I've been wanting to talk to one of you guys <laughs> I looked at how long this ride's going to be it was supposed to be 20 minutes it ended up being an hour and 10 minutes in this car yeah he was he was he was trying to get some more money from me on that drive but uh but something happened he said I've been wanting to talk to one of you guys I got a bone to pick with you Christians, you ministers. And he started sharing with me all of this anger and this hurt. And he starts cussing even more than the song. I was like, maybe we should go back to the song. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and he starts just, just unloading. And then he says, I'm done with religion. I'm done with church. I've been enlightened. I got my own philosophy, my own belief. And it was crazy. It didn't make sense. But I didn't want to tell him that. So, I'm, you know, we're talking to each other. And I said, sir, I, I don't know if you've really met the real Jesus. I don't know if you've experienced the real Jesus because he's not like what you're describing. I began to talk to him about victory, our church, and what we're a part of and what we've been doing and how my parents, we at a young age, we started going on missions and outreaches across our city. And then later on in the late 90s, started the Tulsa Dream Center and we did tent crusades. And I started telling him how I went to Haiti as a teenager. And he was like, you went to Haiti? And he was telling me, you know, that he was so shocked about a church like ours. I think you guys are the greatest church in the world. I'm just saying, what, what Victory's doing is, is special. It's powerful. And, and I don't mean that in a prideful way. I'm just saying what my parents have birthed and what this church has been about is really special. And he said, I haven't heard of a church like that. 
And I told them about the integrity of my mom and dad and how my wife and I are, are doing our best to follow in the footsteps, continuing to carry that legacy on. And he starts getting like tears in his eyes as, he, as I'm telling him this story. And I said, sir, can I pray for you? You could just feel the hard shell starting to crack and break around his heart. God was melting his heart because I was seeing Jesus in that guy. I was seeing Jesus in that guy. Could that guy be Jesus? Could the guy that cusses you out be Jesus? You're like, no, Jesus would never cuss me out. Could Jesus be the guy in the soup line that says, this soup tastes terrible? And you're like, we're giving you free soup. Surely that's not Jesus. Surely it's not these people. Hebrews 13 verse 2 says, show hospitality to everyone because you never know that you might be entertaining angels right next to you. What if God's sending people across your path that are Jesus himself, and yet they're the furthest thing from Jesus in your mind? And Jesus is testing to see how genuine your love is. Being a Christian is not just going to church on Sunday. God's not just looking for people who wear a cross around their neck. He's looking for people that carry their cross into their workplace, that carry their cross into Uber rides, that love the unlovable, that see Jesus and the worst, and the least, and the lost, and the broken, and the people that rub you the wrong way. What if Jesus was your boss? Undercover boss. <laughs> and he's testing to see what you say about the boss. How you treat everyone is how you treat Jesus. So I said, can I pray for you to my Uber driver? And I put my hand on his shoulder. And he goes, whoa! He goes, I just felt something. I said, man, let me finish my prayer. Because there's more. So I started praying, Lord, I just pray for my brother right now. God, I pray that you touch his heart. I was like, don't close your eyes. You're driving right now, but I'm closing my eyes. <laughs> As I began to pray, it wasn't a perfect prayer. It wasn't a memorized prayer. I think God doesn't really want memorized prayers. He wants authentic prayers. He wants you to pray from your heart. He wants you to prophesy. I didn't even know it, but I was, I was speaking prophetic words over what he was going through. It didn't come out all nice and in order, but as I was praying for him, there was things I was saying. I didn't even know what I said, but after the prayer, he goes, whoa. He goes, that shook me, man. He goes, I got to make some changes. As I was praying and loving this guy, he opens up after the prayer. He said, I'm living with a girl, and we're doing stuff we shouldn't do, and I'm not married to her. And he said, tonight, after I get done with all my driving, I'm going to move out of that house. And I'm going to break up that relationship. See, the Holy Spirit was bringing conviction as I was just imparting love. Someone's, I believe Jesus is waiting for you to see him this week. Jesus is waiting for you to invite him to church this week. Jesus is waiting in the cubicle next to you, in the classroom that you sit in. Jesus is waiting as the teacher that rubs you the wrong way, as the coach that yells at your kid. Jesus is found in anyone and everyone. You say, well, I just don't know if that's biblical. In Matthew 25, verse 31, one day the Bible says we're all going to stand before God, the judgment seat. In other words, this is just a rehearsal. What we do on this earth, 80 years is nothing. Eternity is forever. Right? I asked my great-grandma when she was 100 years old, and she, she lived to be 102. She was born in 1910, 1911. It was, it was one of those years, 1910, 1911. She passed away in 2013, so she lived to be two, 102 years old. I asked her, I said, what can you tell me about life? She said, it's short. I said, it, it seems like it's been long for you. <laughs> she said, it flies by like that. She said, Paul, one day, real soon, 
you'll be right where I'm at. Really? And it's happened. I mean, I'm watching my kids. They're growing up fast. This life is short. Don't put all your, your, your stakes right here. One day we're going to step into eternity. And when we step into eternity, it says all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. Sheep from the goats. People who followed Jesus, they weren't perfect in all of their ways. But when they sinned, they repented and they kept getting back up. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he'll rise again. Don't mistake sheep as being the most perfect person. I'm telling you today, if you're authentic and you're chasing after Jesus, you are part of this tribe. He's written your name in the book of life. You don't even realize it, but the people that you've been loving were Jesus himself. He says, the king will look at you and say, come. You who are blessed, come victory. You who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom has been prepared for you since the creation of the world. And then he will say this. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I, I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I, I was the stranger that showed up in your church, and I know I looked crazy. And I know I had an interesting outfit on. I was the stranger that sat on your row. I was the stranger that walked into your church and you made me feel at home. You invited me in. You made me feel like I was part of the Victory family. Instead of critiquing the Jesus in all, you were finding the Jesus in all. What if we didn't come to church to critique the Jesus in everybody, but we came to find the Jesus in everybody? You brought me in. You made me feel at home. I was a stranger in your workplace. And instead of just going out with your buddies for lunch every week like you normally do, instead of just eating with your clique of friends at your school, you walked over to my table when I was sitting by myself in the cafeteria and you included me. You made me feel like I was your friend. You were an authentic follower of Jesus. It wasn't just us four no more, crew members only, seats taken. You were the kind of Christian that said, you can sit by me, Forrest. You can sit by me. <laughs> Y'all are like, what? Forest. <sighs> I needed clothes. And you brought clothes to me. You clothed me at the Dream Center. You clothed me at your church. You helped me. You helped me put on the right clothes. You helped me put on clothes of compassion. You changed me. You transformed me. You discipled me. I was sick, and you came to St. Francis Hospital. You came to room 305. You visited me. You showed up to the hospital. I was in prison, and I know my mugshot was on the front of Tulsa World. And while the rest of the church stuck their nose up and said, I can't believe he's going to prison. I would never go to prison. You showed up to David L. Moss, and you wept in my cell. And you loved me when everyone else hated me. When everyone else left... You came into the courtroom, and you were right there with me. Yeah, that was me. That was Jesus. And Jesus? Jesus would never go to jail. Jesus would never be accused of a crime. I would never find Jesus as the guy who's cussing me out. I'd never find Jesus as the mean boss, as the, as the co-worker that rubs me there. What if Jesus is the person that you like the least? What if Jesus is the person that treats you the worst? What if Jesus is the guy in your city that everybody hates and he's just waiting for an invitation from you? And Jesus said the righteous will look at him and say, well, when did we see you hungry? 
and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? When, when did we see you naked and clothe you or a stranger and make you feel at home, bring you to Mazio's after church? When did, we, when did we help you? When were you sick and we went to St. John's? And when were you in prison? When were you at David Elmas and we came there? When, when, when did we do this? And Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these brothers and sisters, you did it for me. Jesus in disguise. Turn to the person next to you and say, I see Jesus in you. This week, God wants us to see Jesus all around us. God wants you to see Jesus in the person that may look different than you. God wants you to see Jesus in the person that's twice your age or the person that's twice as young as you. God wants you to treat everybody the way that you would treat Jesus. None of us should mistreat someone. None of us should roll our eyes or stick up our nose or act like we're above another person. At the cross, we all stand on level ground. None of us are greater than another. None of us are more superior. How do we find Jesus in 2018? He's right in front of us. He's right here. He's the teacher that's just begging for more help. He's the student that's just begging for someone to love him. Yeah, he's even the politician that needs your prayers. Don't just think Jesus is these people or those people. You need to see Jesus in everyone. Number three, don't just find Jesus in, fill in the blank, bring Jesus to. Don't just find Jesus in politics, bring Jesus to politics. Don't just find Jesus in the workplace, bring Jesus to the workplace. Don't just find Jesus in the classroom, bring Jesus to the classroom. Don't just find Jesus in your family, bring Jesus to your family. What does that mean? That means that God's called you. You might be the only Jesus that someone sees this week. You might be the only Jesus that someone hears this week. You might be the only Jesus that someone encounters this week. God wants you to bring his compassion, his love, his grace, his demonstration of power. The greatest proclamation of the gospel is not an explanation, but a demonstration. God wants you to walk this message out, to live it out among the people that are all around you. Maybe we're asking the wrong question. Instead of asking, where's Jesus, we should be asking where should I bring Jesus? Who should I show Jesus to this week? How many of you know someone that could use some Jesus in their life? I believe Tulsa is full of people that need Jesus. Our city is thirsty for hope, for answers, for salvation. I got an email just last week from the atheist convention they're having a massive convention next week in Oklahoma City and they asked me to come and and be on a debate panel with the leading atheist of Oklahoma yeah I was like that sounds awesome <laughs> I actually want to do it I know y'all are like man it might be a trap I want to bring Jesus to the atheist conference <laughs> They said, you pick the topic and we're gonna debate you. Now, I'm not the best at, at all. Like, I studied theology, so I went to seminary. I got my degree, but I'm not the most, y'all know me. 
<laughs> Y'all are like, yeah, we know you. And uh, I'm not like Rabbi Zacharias. I'm not, you know, I'm not the greatest apologist. I want to get better at that. I want to grow in that. But what I do know, what I can debate is the miracles of God. You can't, you can't, you can't argue the power of God. I've seen God heal blind eyes. I've seen God heal the hardest of hearts. I've seen God reconcile marriages that looked dead. I've seen God heal people's broken arms and broken legs. I've seen people in wheelchairs that had never walked, that got up and started walking. Even just two days ago in Honduras, we saw miracles everywhere we went. I wanna talk about that. I wanna talk about the power of God in 2018. See, Jesus is here. He's moving all over the world, and he's looking to move through you. He wants you to be an ambassador of him. He wants you to bring Jesus everywhere you go. Let's not just bring Jesus to church on Sunday. Let's bring Jesus everywhere we go. So I've been on this kick. Everywhere I go, I've been inviting people to know Jesus, go to church. Even last night after Saturday night service, my wife and I, we went out to eat and we, we were talking to our waiter about, hey, you got to come to Easter this weekend. He said, well, is, it, is there something for kids? I said, yeah, we got an Easter egg hunt on Saturday. Bring your kids. And he said, is this the Victory Church? I've, I've heard about you guys. And, and so we started talking to him everywhere we go. God wants to use you to bring someone to him. God wants to partner with you. There was a guy in our church that got so radically turned on to God. Him and his friends, Marquise and Adam, they started inviting their buddy Josh. Well, Josh had been turned off to church, especially this church, because he had a bad encounter with me. He said, I came, Josh, he said, I went to that church in 2011, 2012, when Pastor Sharon was the pastor. And one weekend, she had her son Paul preach. And I was so impacted by his message, I wanted to talk to him after service, but there was a long line to talk to him, so I handed him a piece of paper, and it was a song I had been writing and working on for a long time. And he said, I watched, as Paul was in a conversation with the person he was talking to, he handed the song to the usher next to him. And uh, somehow the paper got left on the table, and we walked off. And he said, I watched the encounter, and I was so heartbroken. I went up and I took the paper and I was crying and I just threw it in the trash can and I swear I'm never coming back to this church. He's a hypocrite. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about people. And he said, I'm not going back to that church. I went there. I, I'm not going back. And he said, over those years, I grew bitter and it, it messed with my marriage. It messed with my relationships. It messed with my whole life, my, my perspective of people because I was bitter. I was bitter at you and I was bitter at God, I was bitter about my life. But Adam and Marquise kept inviting him. And, and, and their friend Cricket had been on the video testimony. And so leading up to the Christmas production, there's a lot of people that will never come to listen to a preacher preach, but they will come to a movie. They'll come to a Broadway. They'll come to a production. There's something about the arts that just engages all kinds of people. And they'll pay lots for tickets. I mean, right now, Hamilton, there's like $2,000 for a ticket in New York City to see the Broadway Hamilton. People love the arts. And we're doing a powerful arts presentation next weekend for free right here in our city. And I'm telling you, it's Broadway excellent. Well, they convinced Josh to come. And I'm looking at Josh right here. So Josh came to the production. He said, when you got up to speak, I walked out to use the bathroom. I don't want to listen to that guy. And then he said that the production was, was messing with him. It was touching his heart. And so he came back the next week, and my brother John was preaching. 
something about our relationship as brothers and, and the way we loved each other, it ministered to him because he had a brother. And they needed some just continual healing in their relationship. And then the third week he came back and over time he started coming and finally he came down to the altar call. This was just literally four months ago. We're talking the end of 2017 as we were coming into 2018. And so he came down to the altar and he gave his life to Jesus and he surrendered. Yeah, that's powerful, but it gets better. Josh, would you just walk down here just so that everyone can see you? Come on, let me hop down there. He came down to the altar and I was shaking hands this time. I was praying for people, and he waited. And uh, he said, I got to tell you something, man. He said, I've been holding a lot of bitterness towards you. I judged you over one moment, and I've made some mistakes in my life, a lot more, and, and I judged you over one moment. And I'm sorry. I said, no, I'm sorry. He told me the story. I said, man, I, I'm sorry. I would have loved to read your song. I would have loved to see it. Sometimes I miss it. I'm sorry. He said, hey, stop. He said, I'm sorry. You know, we're both just saying sorry, sorry. <laughs> Finally, we just stopped saying sorry. We just said, I forgive you. I love you. And we cried and we hugged. And God started working in his heart. He joined the discipleship class <laughs> at Victory, men's discipleship. Adam, will you stand up, Adam? Adam was the one that kept inviting him, wouldn't give up, wouldn't stop. Adam, come up here, man. Adam refused to stop loving Josh. Come on. Adam refused to stop loving Josh. He kept, you know, Adam was seeing Jesus in Josh. He was introducing Josh to Jesus. You see Jesus in people, and then you bring Jesus to people. And so... Josh's life started getting impacted, and then Josh started sharing the sermons on Facebook, started sharing it with other people, inviting people to church, started getting his atheist brother interested, maybe, to come to Easter. And then one Sunday, he decided to just bring his brother to church. And the day that he brought his brother, who hadn't been in church in 15 years, his brother showed up. Is your brother here? What? Come on, and your dad's back there. Stand up, guys. Come on. Hey, come up here, bro. Come up here. I know this is, we didn't plan for this. Both of y'all come up here. Would, would daddy come? Yeah, come on, father. Here, we'll walk back there. He's on crutches. Let's walk back there. Come on, family reunion right here. So Josh brought his brother. His brother gave his life to Jesus. Then his brother and him brought their dad. Their dad came down. 
a few weeks later. Now they're coming to church. God's ministering through this family. Never give up on anybody. See Jesus in everybody. Bring Jesus to everybody. Come on, this is a powerful, we're in the middle of a miracle. We're in the middle of a miracle right here. I know we, we didn't plan this with the cameras. They're trying to figure out what angle to get, but listen, can the camera zoom in on Adam? Zoom in on Adam. Adam, everyone just sit down for a second so they can see Adam. If it, if it hadn't started with you, Adam, who invited you? Cricket. Cricket, come over here. Come on. Cricket, who invited you? Bethany White. Come on. Bethany's in Honduras right now on a missions trip. You never know whose destiny, whose family you're going to impact. Someone's waiting for you to bring Jesus to them. And when you bring Jesus to them, they're going to bring Jesus to somebody else. Who's going to bring Jesus to somebody else? We could change our whole city. If we started seeing Jesus in everyone that we work with, and we started bringing Jesus to everyone we encounter, we could change the world. We don't have to wait for the White House to fix our nation. We can do it right here through the church house, through God's house. It starts with you. Give these guys a big hand. Everybody say, it starts with you. Come on, Mark, Katie, it starts with you. Number four, be a consistent bringer. We've already passed the invite cards down the road, but this week, I want you to grab more invite cards on your way out of church this week. Bring some invitations to people all over the city. And I know sometimes we, you know, we get excited to bring people to church at Easter and at Christmas, but I want us to have a culture of invite. I want us on a weekly basis to be bringing people to Jesus and bringing Jesus to people. That we would continue to stir up the culture of inviting people to know Jesus. How many of you know someone that needs Jesus? That's good. I would love to see all of our hands up because all of us need to know somebody that's not a Christian. All of us need to know somebody that's not just doing perfect with God. I want to ask one more time. How many of y'all know someone that could use some Jesus in their life? Some hope, some community, some love, some forgiveness, some healing of their heart. Maybe they've walked through a painful experience. Maybe they were just let go from work. Maybe they just got divorced. Maybe they just found out someone has betrayed them in some way and they're hurting and they're broken and they're crying. You this week could be the very Jesus that could touch their life, that could bring hope and healing, be a consistent bringer. We bring Jesus through four different ways. We bring Jesus through our words. So this week with your words, invite people to know Jesus. Pray for people like I did with the Uber driver. Pray for people. Talk to people. Invite them to, to Easter service this weekend. There's a lot of people that won't come to hear me preach, but they will come to watch a movie. They will come to watch a production. People pay hundreds of dollars to go to Broadway's. Right, right now, tickets for, for Broadway's in New York City to the show Hamilton are like $2,000. And it'll pack out the theater. There's something powerful about a live theatrical production. People love the arts. And we've got a free production for our whole city next week happening on Friday night, Saturday morning. Easter egg hunt for your neighbor's kids. Wouldn't it be cool if your neighbors, the guy who lives down the street, came to church next Sunday and raised his hand at the end of the story 
of Jesus and came down to the altar. Wouldn't it be cool if your neighbor got saved? If their marriage got healed or restored? Wouldn't it be cool if your grandson came back to church? Wouldn't it be awesome if your dad came back to church? Wouldn't it be cool if your teenage daughter came down to the altar at the end of the production? You say, well, I just don't know. I haven't seen the production yet, so I just don't know if I can invite people to it. I got to see the production first before I invite someone. Let me just tell you what the production is. It's a story about a guy from 2,000 years ago who came from heaven to earth and he healed a lot of people. And then he was accused by religious people that he was a zealot and that he was too passionate and he was changing the way religion looked. And so they convicted him of a crime he didn't commit, but it was his choice. He said, not my will, thy will be done. So he decided willingly to go through with the conviction. And so he's gonna be whipped. Next weekend, you're gonna see a guy that's whipped 39 times. Skin's gonna be pulled off his back. You're gonna see a guy with a, a crown of thorns crushed in his skull. Let me tell you what the production is next week so that way you feel good about inviting people. There's gonna be a crown of thorns on his head. He's gonna be placed on a cross. There's gonna be nails through his hands. Through his hands? Nails through his feet. Every drop of blood is going to be screaming, I love you. I love you in the back. I love you in section C. I love you in section A. I love you on the front row. I love you in the middle. I love everyone who's addicted. I love the white people, the black people, the Asian people, the Native American people. I love gay people and straight people and Republicans and Democrats. I love the, the addicted people, the afflicted people. I love women. I love men. I love people who are confused about who they are and what gender they are. I came to die for every single person, not just the good people. I came for the sinners. I came to call those that are sick and bring them healing and hope. You're going to see a guy who dies on the cross for the whole world. And I don't know if you have room in your heart to let Jesus bring salvation to everyone. I don't know if you just think he's come for a select few. But the Jesus I read about in the Bible, he came for me and he came for you. And he came for the guy that's going to watch online. He came for the, the thousands of people that are going to stream it online because you shared it on Facebook. Because you told some people, hey, I know you live out of town. I know you live in Honduras. But you should just pull up victory.com next Sunday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. And you should just watch. Watch it from Paris. Watch it from Honolulu. Watch it from wherever you're at. Watch, watch it from Kentucky. Watch it from Canada. Watch it from China. There's going to be people streaming this story. You go, is this, a, is this a story worth streaming? Yeah, because after the cross, he's going to be laid in a tomb. It'll be right here at this part in the floor. There's going to be a tomb set up right here next week, seven days from now. In fact, right after the 11 a.m. service, they're going to start setting up. And he's going to be laid in a tomb. And the stone's going to be rolled away. And at the end of this production, you're going to see the guy that was on the cross with blood all over him. You're going to see him walk out of that tomb with a light shining. And we're going to declare Jesus is alive. God's not dead. And he's come for you. We serve a risen Savior. I don't know. I just think that's a story worth sharing. Now I think I know I can invite some people because I know what the story's about. I think this week you should invite some people that need hope, that need life. So we, we bring Jesus through our words. We bring Jesus through our actions. We bring Jesus through our generosity. Next weekend is a free production for a lot of people that couldn't afford to go to an artistic, theatrical production but they're gonna come and they're gonna find Jesus. The only way we can do that is through your generosity. Just two days ago, I was in Honduras and I, I saw thousands of people hear the gospel, 
and we had thousands of people get saved across the five days there. We had hundreds of people get healed, miracles. We saw lives being transformed. The churches are being strengthened. The only way this church continues to reach our city and reach the world is through the 9 a.m. people and their generosity and the 11 a.m. people and their generosity and the Saturday five and the Wednesday night and the chapel service and the people at Manford and the people downtown. When we rise up and realize every dollar I give can make a difference in someone's destiny. CJ, would you come pray over the offering? Come on. I'm so thankful. <laughs> he said, I'm trying to write that check. You can do that too. I'm so thankful that our church represents Jesus in our city so well. The person next to you needs Jesus. The person on the other side of that computer screen. We got people watching all over the world. We've got people that find us on Instagram. They find us on Facebook and, and their lives are getting changed through social media ministry that we're sending out messages and sending out just little tweets and scriptures that are encouraging people. The only way we're able to reach more people is through our generosity. That's the way that the gospel continues to advance is we're able to bring more Bibles. We're able to do these presentations like Easter where people's hearts are open more than just a preacher preaching a message. The drama unlocks different people's hearts. CJ, would you pray over the offering today? Amen. Father, we thank our envelopes. If you just take your envelope and hold it up and like Brother Adam and Sister Cricket, they were seeds of words. These represent your life. And as you sow your seeds, we're going to believe God for a harvest into the lives, just like that family and thousands and hundreds of thousands of families around the world. Close your eyes. Father, I thank you. As every family that is sowing a seed into this, this offering today, multiply their seed back into the areas of their lives that they need it the most. Some of them need stronger health. Some of them need more peace of mind. Some of them need renewed marriages. Some of them have children that are wayward, prodigals, prodigal sons and daughters that are lost. Lord God, as they sow that seed today, may they see a harvest coming back into the areas of their lives that they need it the most. Jesus, you said in your word, you're the Lord of the harvest. Let the harvest come, Father God, from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west. Come forth. In the name of Jesus, and in advance, Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The ushers are going to step out to receive the offering. We're just going to worship for a moment. And then out of this song, we're going to take communion. So I ask you to just stay for five more minutes as we get ready to take communion as a church family. Go ahead, Timmy. For every knee to bow down. For every heart to believe, for every voice to cry out, burn like a fire in me, for every tongue to confess, you alone are the King, you are the Lord of the earth, burn like a fire in me, for every need to bow down, for
why don't we stand to our feet all over this room and can you hand me my communion pastor aj and if you need communion elements if you didn't receive it when you came in just raise your hand our ushers will try to bring one of these to you i see a few hands raised up there if, if you have an extra one of these or if someone's able to grab some and take some to those that need it just keep your hand raised they'll get it to you what is communion communion is remembering what jesus has done for us see several hands up there someone can run up there and bring them some communion elements at the very top jack on our left side communion is remembering the body that was broken for us through jesus christ it's remembering the blood that was poured out for us it's like that encounter that mary had with jesus he was right there and she didn't even recognize that he had risen the night before jesus would be betrayed the night before Jesus would be crucified, he had a last supper with his disciples. This week is Passover week. Today is Palm Sunday. We remember this was the week leading up towards the crucifixion and the resurrection. And as we take communion, what we do is we search our hearts. We say, God, if there's any sin, any unforgiveness, any bitterness, any hatred, any jealousy, Lord, if there's any uh, uh, clinging to temptations, to things that aren't of you, cleanse me. My body is your temple. Come and cleanse me for your glory. During communion, what we do is we remember that his blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And so right now, you can open up your communion elements. That night, Jesus sat with his disciples. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is broken for you. As you take and eat this bread, remember the new covenant of my love, that you would love each other as I have loved you. Take and eat this bread and remember what Jesus has done for us. Then he took the cup and he said, this cup represents the new covenant of my love that's poured out for you. Greater love has no one than the man that lays his life down for his friends. And I lay my life down. They don't take it from me. I give it willingly for you. The blood that's going to be poured out on the cross next weekend when we see Jesus on the cross, every drop of blood is Jesus shouting, I love you. I love you. I love you in the back row. I love you on the front row. I love all of you. I love every person. I love those that are in the church and those that are out of the church. I love those that are this color and that color. I love those that are addicted and afflicted. I love gay people. I love straight people. I love males and females. Jesus was saying, my love has no limits. I love every person in the earth and I'm inviting them to know me and to let me change their life. When we go into Easter this next weekend, we remember that Jesus came for everyone, the sick, the saint, and the sinner. And he came to invite us into the kingdom of God. There's only one way in, it's through Jesus Christ. His blood speaks louder than our sin. Today, you could find forgiveness in him. Let's take and drink to remember what Jesus did for us. Thank you for listening to Victory with Paul Doherty. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services, Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Remember, your best days are right in front of you.